I don't really even call myself a composer. I just think of myself as sending this message, this hopeful, beautiful, loving hug from God to the listener, to the person that experiences the music and says, this is what God is telling you. You are loved. You are worthy. This is Charisma Connection. I'm Chris Johnson. On Charisma Connection, we often talk to pastors or authors, and today I'm pleased to introduce an exceptional composer and musician. Peg Luke is joining us to share what went into her Psalm Space project. And we might also mention Peg's amazing accomplishment of performing a dozen sold-out Carnegie Hall flute recitals. So, Peg, welcome to Charisma Connection, and uh, congratulations on your success. It's great to be here. Wonderful that I get to speak with you today. Well, to start, Peg, I have a very, very important question for you. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Are you a flautist or a flutist? (laughs) Oh, well, I have to go back to what Ron Paul, who is a very famous flutist, he has now since passed, uh, he said, I do not play the flout, I play the flute. So... (laughs) I always tell people, I'm a flute player. I play the flute. There you go. And that's certainly the more American version, isn't it? I hope so. (laughs) Well, I understand that you've played the flute practically all of your life. So why the flute and what got you started? Oh, yeah. Good question. Well, I started piano at the age of five, and I had private piano lessons And then I also had a group lesson. And so not only did I have to prepare a piano lesson every week, I also had to prepare learning dictation and learning theory and listening uh, to other music, which is super important, and then performing for my peers. Well, I think I actually started composing around that time as well. I found these old notebooks that you're supposed to actually write in, but I'd made staffs, which is five lines, and then either a treble or a bass clef, and I'd started writing music way back when I started learning piano. So that was at the age of five, and I remember riding the car in Sterling, Illinois, where I was born and raised, nice Midwestern town. Mm-hmm. I'll plug that. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I realized <clears throat> that there was a calling to me, whether it was something divine or an angel nudging me, saying, you need to play the flute. Now, I have no idea why the flute. It wasn't like I heard it and just instantly fell in love with it. It was that something had nudged me. And so I asked my parents that day, I would like to play the flute. And neither one of my parents are musically inclined, but they are such big supporters of music. And they said, okay, you want to play the flute? We'll get you a flute and you'll try it and we'll get you a private instructor. And that they did. And I started with Gail Coffey, who was an exceptional flutist and a pianist. Uh, 
and in DeKalb, Illinois, and we just instantly connected. And from there, my love for flute in the classical realm started. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that teacher-student relationship that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Such an inspiration and such a loving person, very kind. And so that gave me a lot of wonderful ideas and principles to continue my musical career, which I ended up really, by the time I was a sophomore in high school, starting to teach flute to my friends and my Mm. colleagues. And then I never stopped teaching until, oh, probably about eight years ago, I stopped teaching because my performing career and uh, psalm space came up. And so things just got super busy. But uh, the teaching background has been major in my life. Mm, That's wonderful. You kind of paid it forward, as they say. Oh, yes. I spent many years teaching privately and then decades teaching university level, Hmm. uh, from University of Wisconsin-Platteville to Clark University to some universities up in the Minneapolis area. So, yes, it's... uh, it's part of who I am. It's part of my DNA. It's what God has spoken to me. You know, my mother was a second grade school teacher as well. And that teaching side of things was so important to me because you give some of yourself, not only do you, do you give some of it to your students, but you give it to God. It's a service to what you can do for other people because you can show the love of God through your teaching, and your students realize that it's something. There's something there, but they can't put their finger on it, you know, Mm. and uh, they can feel that. And I always try to teach with positivity, positivity, excuse me, with positivity and with love and caring. Oh, that's wonderful. Any any one of us can look back on our lives and think, who's that one special teacher, maybe two, that we had in our lives that made a true impact through just, you know, their teaching relationships. So I'm sure you've experienced that. Oh, and it comes back to me all the time. You know, I stay in touch with my students and it fills me. It fulfills mm-hmm. me so mm-hmm. much, you know. They they give back more than I can give to them many times, so and still and still are. Ah, that's a beautiful thing. Now, speaking of things that are beautiful, Psalm Space <laughs> is your current uh, project, and I, I love this uh, sort of motto, holy music with healing properties. So what, what yeah. drove you to create Psalm Space, and, and really, what did it take to bring it to market? Oh, well, that's a really (laughs) big question. So I think I'm going to be the teacher here and uh, kind of whittle it down a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll start out with what I believe Psalm Space is. And uh, I kind of describe it as an unexpected, divinely driven music project, which is based off of the biblical psalms, hymns, and prayers. This music, Psalm Space, involves solo vocal and instrumental leaders. It incorporates children 
and an adult choir, an orchestra, percussion, celestial sounds, and miscellaneous instruments as well. And I conceived the idea of psalm space from the idea of French Taizé. And French Taizé was taken from a music worship tradition that was started in Taizé, France, in the 1940s, after World War II. It became a refugee destination for many people that were hurting after World War II from many different denominations, just not the Christian denomination, which I find absolutely refreshing. And the music was in chant-like versions, like almost in a plain song. It would repeat, Lord, have mercy. Lord, please be with me. The text would be simple. The melody would repeat over and over again. You will hear Taizé services on many different occasions in this country as well. This, in turn, I felt is a healing technique that would soothe and comfort the people crying out for help. So I intentionally used this technique of simple repeated lyrics accompanied by a simple melody and beautiful music accompaniment. The whole purpose of Psalm Space was to invent and create a calm and a sense of healing and well-being. And like you said, I've added beautiful musical elements as best that would speak to me to pique the human creative and the divine mind. I use the Psalms, Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 46, be still and know I am God. Psalm 27, If God is for us, who can we fear or whom shall we fear? Such a light in this world. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And Psalm 40, wait on the Lord. Oh, that's so hard to do. But it's such an important principle. (laughs) (laughs) Such an an important principle. And then um, I've musically reinvented the Lord's Prayer and Kumbaya beautiful savior, and I added on the song and the lyrics, the prayer of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I noticed that it's just really, really rich, all the different elements that you bring in. But, you know, you're basing much of it on the Psalms, so why is this biblically-based music important to you? Well... I don't think it's only important to me. I think it speaks to myriads of people throughout myriads of areas of this world. I think the scripture, and I think the Psalms especially, reach out to the soul. They're like music for the soul. It's like we have this thirst, and sometimes we just don't know what it is. And scripture can be that food or that drink that just satisfies us. But we are all crying out 
for love. We're all crying out for healing. We're all crying out for acknowledgement. You know, love is such an important thing that we live with love, not in fear. And I think scripture, and especially the Psalms, gives you that affirmation that you are not alone, that you are loved, and that God does care and God is with us all the time to pick us up, even in our darkest moments. Why would we not want to hear this in a message? I mean, as a musician and as a composer and as an inventor, I feel like I'm really just a messenger of God. I don't really even call myself a composer. I just think of myself as sending this message, this hopeful, beautiful, loving hug from God to the listener, to the person that experiences the music and says, this is what God is telling you. You are loved. You are worthy. It's a beautiful message. So that's my long answer. (laughs) Long answer. (laughs) Well, but the interesting thing about the Psalms are they are songs, right? I mean, David created so many of these on, on his harp, probably, maybe... Uh, you know, maybe he was thinking of lyrics while he was out with the sheep. Perhaps. <laughs> oh, perhaps. Yes. And so, I'm were sure. were there any sheep involved in your lyrics here? <laughs> no. Just checking. <laughs> I don't believe there are any sheep. No, I don't. But I think of Psalm twenty-three. Perhaps you know. There you go. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. You know that is, and and I. You know, Psalm 23, I'm I'm coming back to this and I'm diverting from what my original ideas were to talk to you about, but I'm going to divert because Psalm 23 came in such a funny manner to me. I heard a ukulele, I heard an enlightening message, because many times we think of Psalm 23 as incorporated with the crossing over. And I try to keep the message of Psalm 23 on the light and beautiful side hmm. because God is with us at that moment of our crossing over. That so Psalm we 23 not is not just for times of bereavement. Correct. Correct. It's for times of nourishment and enrichment and positivity and hope, you know, hope. Super, super incredible. I mean, this psalm space is all about hope. Mm-hmm. Now, are there one or two pieces on this recording that are particularly meaningful to you? Everyone is important because it's there. The Lord's Prayer has special significance to me because my mother was saying this before she passed over and over uh, in her room Uh, She was all by herself one day, and I was walking by. She was in the hospital before she passed, and then she was taken to her facility, independent facility, that she could pass at the end, which was really beautiful. Hmm. But at the hospital, I took my flute, and I remember I had to have the latex uh, gloves on, and I would play flute for her. And she would tell me before she passed, Peggy, do not put the flute down. You are supposed to be playing that flute. Keep playing that flute, which I thought was so beautiful at the time when she was in utter pain. 
And one time I caught her, I was in the hallway, and there was no one in the room with her in the hospital room. And she was saying the Lord's Prayer over and over, deliberately, like, Hmm. you know, our Father. And then she would pause, and then, who art in heaven? You know, and she said it so beautifully. It's almost like uh, pausing to, uh, what is that word, Selah, that's in the Psalms? Yes. Absolutely, that's beautiful. Mm. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's that same feeling. She was reflecting. I know it. I know it. And I know she was asking God for forgiveness for all that she'd done. And she had mentioned, I'm scared of passing over. You know, Mm. I'm, I'm scared. And she was a devout woman of faith. Mm-hmm. She'd always been very faithful. She'd had many times in her life when she was very sick, and the Psalms got her through. She would pick up the Bible, and she re- would read the Psalms, and she told me this. And it was such a beautiful thing for me. So this was the inspiration for the Lord's Prayer, which is on the Psalm Space Project. That that version of the Lord's Prayer I intentionally repeated in the Taizé fashion, in the manner in which my mother was doing it. Mm-hmm. So it has special significance for me. I'm sure. Now, uh, some of the interesting ones that I noticed were, you mentioned Kumbaya, which is a, a, a remake. And this is not, uh, Kumbaya reminds me of Girl Scouts, okay? This is not the Girl yeah, the Scout <laughs> around the campfire version, okay? <laughs> and right, I, with the s'mores. Yes, exactly, yes. And, and it just, you know, kind of gave me chills when the soloist belted out, someone's crying, crying, Lord. It's just a really beautiful version of Kumbaya. Someone's crying. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's my stepdaughter, Ginny Luke, who is an international musician. She's an amazing singer and violinist and composer, and she does her thing in L.A., and Hmm. she goes on tours with different various, you know, important artists. But she herself is an important artist in my view, and she added her voice on to this project in the most beautiful way. And she did sing in Kumbaya. And I remember I composed a piece and we were rehearsing it in Nashville. And uh, she said something to me, now, do you want me to sing it exactly how I wrote it? And I said, absolutely not. I said, you do what's in your heart. Hmm. And I think that heartfelt, God-felt moment came out in her singing. And mm-hmm. thank you for mentioning it. I really I really enjoy that piece. And then speaking of voices, uh, Psalm 46, the beginning, is really striking with uh, the voice of God. Be still and know I am. Be still and know I am.
Rod Fletcher. He did a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. I did not know him before he sang this, but as he came, and we were in the studio at Ocean Way in Nashville, and here was his man, and David Wise was the vocal, oh, I don't know, contractor for the project. And he said, I have this gentleman, and I think he's perfect for the voice of this psalm. And certainly he was. And many people have talked to me about this and how it has struck them. So listeners will just have to go online and listen to it. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and also, as we're talking about voices, I wanted to mention, too, Lisa Bevel came on board, who is an amazing singer, along with Terry Blackwood, who I'm so blessed to have worked with. So. Mm. And you also have a producer who has won some Grammy Awards. Oh, several. Uh, Neil Merrick Blackwood actually contacted me. He had heard one of my flute CDs that I recorded from London. And uh, he contacted me and he said, wow, that CD is just beautiful. It's a CD uh, flute favorite. He heard it and he contacted me and he said, wow, Peg. We need to work together. And I didn't (laughs) know Neil at all. Mm. Didn't know Neil. And didn't know what kind of project we were going to work on until my mother passed. And then it became very obvious to me that this is what I was supposed to do. Hmm. And my father had passed several years earlier from cancer. And I was grieving so much at the time of his death I was trying to find music that would comfort me, and I couldn't find anything at the time. And I said, if ever I have a chance and the ability to compose a project that helps people find hope and to help soothe people and to calm grieving people, uh, I want to do it. Hmm. And so Neil came on board, and I sent some of my music, some of the psalms, and he said, this is marvelous. Let's do this. So away we went. And Neil Merrick Blackwood was kind of the angel in all of this. He sparked this, along with his wife, Taryn, who is my assistant that helps me out so much. And I've had PLA Media come on board with Cindy and Pam, who have just been angels in their own right and have been able to see the path and the belief and the beauty of Psalm Space mm-hmm. and have believed in it along with my husband, Jack, and my stepson, Jesse Luke, who plays cello on this as well. Uh, a lot of family, and I feel even a greater musical family. As this project starts to grow, I always say Psalm Space Fly, Fly, Psalm Space Fly. <laughs> I feel as if God is taking it and putting wings on the project. It doesn't have to do with me. It's something much greater than all of us. And that's the amazing and miraculous thing about this project. It, I started it as a small project. I thought Neil and I were going to do a nice little project. We went into the studio, and everyone started hearing it, and the orchestra and the singers and the kids and the adults. And people were so touched. and. After I got out of the studio, I realized this no longer is a small project. This has gone into God's hands, and we are no longer talking about 
something that's just going to be between you and me. It's going to be larger than that. And God has plans. God is trying to reach the people that are needing this kind of help, this kind of music, this kind of beauty, this kind of hope, this kind of hug. Uh, That's what this project is about. It's not about making millions of dollars. This kind of project will not do that in today's market, but it will hopefully reach the people that it needs to reach. And that's what it's all about. Well, it sounds like the project really grew over the months into uh, what it was meant to be, this holy music with healing properties. So how can people bring psalm space into their homes, their cars, wherever they listen to music? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) And with a pretty simple answer on this one, Mm -hmm. I promise I won't make it too long. They can go to the website, Psalm Space, www.psalmspace.com, P-S-A-L-M-S-P-A-C-E.com, all one word. Yes. And they can find that they can stream uh, through all the social media platforms. You can also go to my Facebook Psalm Space page. Love it if you'd follow us and like us. You can also go to the Psalm Space Instagram page. You can like us and follow us there as well. I am specifically making a daily Psalm Space snippet of music or of an idea uh, that's loving, that's positive, that's kind, that's maybe an uplifter for the day if you're looking for something uh, that just kind of grabs a hold of you and says, Hey, we're thinking of you. You are loved. You know, uh, that's what I'm trying to bring into the world. That's what God would like to bring into the world. Well, we can all use a little of that positivity, can't we? (laughs) Yeah, let's not divide the world. Let's unify the world. You Mm. know, let's 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 be together in love. And I know that's very idyllic, but why not have at least a little bit of it? That's right. Bring a little heaven to earth. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I see it so much in people's souls. Mm. You know, we all have it in us. So Mm -hmm. if we just believe it. It's the image of God in us. Absolutely. Well, Peg Luke, it's been a delight talking to you about your music. I hope that people will go to psalmspace.com, learn more about it, learn more about you, and how this all came to pass. And uh, I'm sure that we're going to get the word out about this great music and uh, about the love that you show through your flute playing, just through how you've coordinated everybody to, to work on this fantastic project. So we certainly appreciate you being with us here today on Charisma Connection. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. And God bless you, too, and this project. We want to see it uh, get out to those who can use those healing properties in this beautiful, holy music. Thank you very much. I'm Chris Johnson. Thanks for joining us for this visit with Peg Luke on Charisma Connection. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. 
Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. <laughs>